God wants you to prosper, not somebody else, not someone down the street, but he wants you to prosper. He promises to be our exceeding great reward. God has a great plan for you. Third John, verse two, it says, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Dr. Shanta Haynes again with Heart to Heart Truth. And today I have an absolutely fantastic guest for you. We're going to be talking about so much. I've got Keisha Heron here today with me, and she is a mental health professional. And I'm sure this is going to be more than one episode. I'm going to warn you already. So Keisha, if you would go ahead and introduce yourself to my audience. Well, first, let me say thank you so much, Shantae, for this opportunity to be on your platform. I am truly honored. It is such a privilege. So a little bit about me. I am a licensed mental health counselor. I got my degree at Argus University in 2014 in Georgia, where I interned at a psychiatric facility for adolescents. And I worked with young women who struggled with different mood disorders, personality disorders, suicidal ideation, self-harming behaviors. Fast forward, I came back to New York in 2014 when I graduated, worked as a caseworker in the foster care system with therapeutically treated families. So those were the children who struggled a little bit more with their behaviors. That was an experience. Um, and then going into substance use treatment. So here in New York, substance use treatment or becoming a KSAC, which is a credentialed alcohol substance abuse counselor, mm -hmm. is very big and necessary in the state of New York. So I started out with that education. Fast forward to God be the glory, I didn't have to complete it because I had a master's degree. So here I am today as a licensed mental health counselor and a KSAC-T, a trainee in credentialed alcohol and substance abuse counseling. I did substance abuse counseling for about two years where I worked with individuals who struggled with dual diagnoses, meaning mental health illnesses, as well as a substance use disorder. I did groups, I did family therapy, I did intensive treatment, three-hour groups and things of that nature. And then here I am today where I'm in group practice. I kind of wanted to do more with individuals going deeper. So I'm in a group practice now and eventually we'll be starting on the horizon with something new and exciting and nerve wracking all together. But um, that'll be something we can discuss later on. So here I am, my passion in life is to promote God's kingdom by building mental health and faith together. It is something that I think is lacking a lot in the faith community, realizing that you can have Jesus and you can have therapy. And there are so many people in the church who are struggling. There's so many people in the body of faith who don't think that they can talk about their emotions, but I believe that that's the trick of the enemy. And that's why you have high rates of mental illness in the church. You have high rates of 
suicidality in the church. And that's just unfortunate because we don't talk about it. So it is my passion, um, something that I enjoy doing to take the covers off and begin, begin building bridges between faith and mental health. So that's a little bit about me. That is a lot. (laughs) But you, you hit in on one subject to very, at, at the very beginning. And that is that in the church, we really don't see a lot that is being talked about when it comes to mental health. And it's like you said, the cover is on because nobody wants to say, I need to come in. Right. Is there a difference then between going to your pastor who happens to counsel as opposed to going to a mental health professional? So I think that there can be a difference and that there is a difference. You know, when you think about people, God created us as three-part beings, right? So we have our flesh, we have our spirit, and we have our soul. Our soul is our mind, our emotions, and our will. My pastor puts it great. He says that what I do is I help you with spiritual concerns, uh, the things that you struggle with spiritually coming to Christ, salvation, answering questions that you would have. Yes. You know, and then the soulish things are for the professionals or, you know, unless your pastor is licensed as well, because they do have licensed professional counselors or professional psychologists, professional psychiatrists who are also pastors. And so they can deal with the soulish things. But my job is to deal with the soulish things, the things that plague our mind, the things that plague our emotions, the things that we struggle with in our will, and even the things that we deal with in our bodies. Because mental health symptoms not only affect us in our mind and our emotions, but they do somaticize in our bodies. And so you often have people who struggle with anxiety and they have panic attacks or their heart is pounding or they feel like they're, they're about to throw up because they have these knots in their stomach or they feel tense in their back and in their neck. Those are physical symptoms, but those symptoms are because of mental and emotional ailments. And so I believe that it is my, my job in conjunction with the pastor and in conjunction with the elders and the leaders of the church to bring that connection together because how do we treat one part of the body how do we treat one part of the being and not the other parts and i think that's where the problem is you know we will go to the pastor for things that we're dealing with from our past trauma abuse Mm-hmm. Now we can get spiritual guidance on that and understand what God says about that. Absolutely. Because I don't under, you know, God can do anything. God does everything he wants to do. So I'm not saying that he can't heal you without you going to a therapist, but he created people like me for such a time. So, <laughs> Yes, that's for sure. I know in doing some of the Christian counseling we do use some of the same techniques that you would have on the secular counseling side, I'll put it that way, or the mental health side. You will have some of that, but ultimately the goal is to lead you to being Christ actualized, if you would, when it relates. 
but you're right. There is that separation. Now I know on the pastoral side, many instances, they will refer when necessary. And so we want to make sure that we see those distinctions. And I'm glad that you said that if it's in that soulish realm, the mind, as well as the will, now they might be able to handle some of the will side, but if it comes to psychiatry, if it comes to split personalities, if it comes to some of those issues, then yes, I would see them referring out more often than others. So that's good to note. And I'm going to switch a little bit to, to our community, to the Black community. Why do you think that we have such a problem in recognizing the fact that we have a concern or going to seek out help if we do have it? So it's interesting you brought that up because it is something that I have been thinking about lately or for the past couple of months, actually, the stigma of mental health within the Black community. You know, it brings me back to slavery. When we were enslaved, this is just my theory. I don't know if there's actual theory out there about this, but this is my con. This, this is what I think. Back in slavery, there were things that happened to us that built resilience and built strength. We weren't allowed to wallow and really have self-pity. You know, that's that whole pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Yes. You would have people, you, your husband would be castrated, your wives would be raped. And then you come back into the household and say, how you doing, honey? How you doing, babe? And you keep it moving. You cooking, you cleaning, you making sure your children are okay. You making sure everything is well. And then when you have to go back into them cotton fields, you're back in the cotton field. When you're being whipped, you're being whipped, but you have to come back in and you have to smile and you have to love on your family. And so while that also brought down the pipeline or down generations, the strength and the resilience that we need, I sometimes think that the strength and the resilience can also be a double-edged sword because in that strength and in that resilience, we also don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable. We also don't allow ourselves to be exposed because you wasn't trying to be vulnerable or exposed with your slave master. You didn't want them to really see that they were really affecting you. You didn't want to break up the family system because now you are ashamed that another man just took advantage of you. And then as the husband that you couldn't protect your wife, you know? So you, you keep a smile on your face and you say, everything's okay. We're gonna be fine. And then it's a cultural thing, you know, what goes on in the family stays in the family. So we don't bring outside stuff. We don't bring our inside stuff to the outside world. And then I think faith comes into that too, because honestly speaking, that's what got us through, you know, old Negro hymns. These are the things that got us through. And so in our head today, God got us through all of that. He can get me through all of this. And this is nothing compared to all of that. So we have strong faith roots, you know, and that is good because you need that, right? But those strong faith roots also sometimes provide for a barrier 
to say, okay, yeah, we have strong faith roots, but he also created us to be in community. So if we are relational beings, and if he tells us to confess our sins one to another, you know, not just our sins, but our burdens, but our yokes, there's plenty of scriptures, I'll leave that to the theologian, to, <laughs> to bring up that about relying on one another and utilizing each other for support. And so I think within the Black community, you know, it's twofold. It's our faith, mm -hmm. it's the strength and the resilience. And then quite frankly, there are not enough people of color who are in the fields of which I work. Um, and when there are not enough people who look like you, you may not trust them. They don't relate to you. They don't understand what you're going through. If you want to be a certain kind of way, because that's your personality, there is this fear that if I do this, they're going to think that I am upset or they're going to think that I'm angry or I'm bitter. You know, with Black people, we're very passionate and we're animated and we're charismatic. And that can sometimes be translated as, oh, she's angry. Oh, he's being mean. Aggressive, or, oh, right. why is he so aggressive? Yes. No, I'm just passionate. <laughs> can, I just, can I just be passionate? So I think some of the things we have to do is really um, talk about it and understand that there is strength in vulnerability. Vulnerability doesn't mean that you're weak. There is strength in even admitting your weaknesses and your brokenness because we all have them. And then having God as your foundation means that therapy will be all the more better because it is my belief that therapy for the believer, we have an upper hand. We don't, we don't hold our identity to things that are temporal because we know exactly who created us. We know exactly who holds our future in their hands. And even though we're struggling, we use our faith to buffer the things that people who are not believers struggle a little bit more with. And then I would encourage people of color to get into the helping profession. We need you here. <laughs> I like that. Well, one thing that you did say that I think is very good, and I do some something similar, is I believe that our faith does give us that extra foundation because, you know, Absolutely. Christ the solid rock, we do stand, right? We say okay. it, but we need to really do that. And when I look at the financial side, as I bring that in, I come from a biblical base and I tell people all the time, I'm bringing in more of what God has said and what God has promised that you are more, it's a more sure foundation than just the principles that you hear in the world. Now, yes, mm. they take them all from the Bible. You better say if, that again. Please say that again. <laughs> they yeah. do take that all from the Bible. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when you look at what God has promised and you have that faith and assurance that he is going to then follow through, then you're more willing to then take the steps that you need to take to get your finances in order because God is backing you. And it's not just, oh, I got this great guru that's out there telling me something. No, I've got God on my side. And because he is there, he's not going to fail me. He hadn't done it yet. So, and, and he's he not going to do it later. He's and I think that's, do it. So, that's so um, important because that gives us the consistency that we need. You know, when you think about 
the foundations that we build things on, when we look to the world or secular systems, they always crash and burn. That's the reality of it. But biblical truth, sound doctrine is permanent. Like there's nothing about it that's wishy-washy. You can always depend on it. The same thing is said yesterday is still going to say today and it's still going to say tomorrow. And it really reflects every part of your being. And so when you think about having faith as a foundation, it's awesome because one of the biggest things with mental health issues is self-doubt, worthlessness, hopelessness, and insecurity. You know, okay. stay right there for just a moment. Okay. If we, if those are some of our big issues, yes, a lot of that is tackled in the Bible because Absolutely. it teaches us that we're supposed to see ourselves through the eyes of a cross. Right. Go back to 139th Psalm. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and that my soul is supposed to know right well. Well, if your soul doesn't know it, they need to come see you, right? You better say it. That's right. Because the soul is the emotion. The emotion. The mind. The, the mind. mind the will. And our will. You see how many times the Bible talks about the soul, the soul, the soul, the soul. Yes. And sometimes it will intermix, you know, just from a theological standpoint, it'll say spirit, but it'll mean human spirit versus Holy Spirit. And so we have to understand when they're talking about that human spirit, it's that soulish realm that we are born with. You know, uh, we have to be born again to have the spiritual side of it. Right. But yes, there's a lot that is there. Mental health can definitely help us when we look at it, but we've got to remove that stigma. But I'm glad you brought up the fact that it could stem from the strength that we have that we don't want to be vulnerable enough to tell someone something is happening with us. Okay, so really that part probably is segment one because we got a lot to dig into. So let's look at it from this standpoint. We talk about vulnerability and not doesn't mean that we're weak. Jesus was not weak but he was not the aggressive person. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and Jesus was a gentleman as well. He didn't yeah. force anybody. So when we look at being vulnerable and I wanna say in today's day and age, more people are being more authentic and more vulnerable, especially on social media or even sometimes with others. So you're saying that that is a positive because we're letting our emotions out and we're learning. I was going to say we're learning to communicate better, but I don't know if I can go that far. Well, <laughs> I, would, I would definitely say that vulnerability is a sign in the positive direction, but I will also say that vulnerability within its containment and within boundaries, right? Because the Bible also says that above all else, we are supposed to guard our hearts for out of it flows the issues of life. And so I'm not telling people to go out in the middle of the street and just air all of your worries, all of your concerns and everything that has ever happened to you. No, because you will be taken advantage of and you will be abused in that way but what I am saying is that with the right people vulnerability does absolutely show true strength because it is 
a lot. It takes a lot of courage to share the darkest, deepest parts of you. Today with one of my clients, I thanked her. I said, you know, thank you so much for sharing this with me. And I thank people all the time, not even just with clients, when people share their deepest, darkest parts with me or their vulnerability or their exposed or they expose their wounds, I'm always thanking them because it is not easy. I am an intellectual and I'm an intellectual because I'm very emotional and I don't like to talk about my feelings. <laughs> go, feel, go figure. And I'm the therapist. Right. <laughs> Learning about these things, right? So it is my theory that intellectuals become intellectuals because we feel our emotions too deeply. And so when I share my emotions with people, it takes a lot. It is definitely a that's definitely me being courageous. That's definitely me being strong. That's definitely me being bold because I am letting down my intellectualization. So intellectualization is a defense mechanism. I am letting down the one thing that is supposed to guard my heart or that I'm using to guard my heart, whether it be adaptive or not. And I'm saying, I am trusting you with my exposed heart. Yeah. And now entrusting you with the exposed heart, there is a possibility that you will hurt it. Mm. But if I never take that risk, if I never take that leap, then I also prevent myself from getting into depth and weight of wonderful relationships that only come about when you go underneath the surface. You know, those superficial relationships are just like whatever, wish wash. They go right. away when the when the water, when the, the winds blow. But true deep relationships come because I have shared my heart with you. And the hope and the idea is that you will receive it and hopefully share your heart with me. So yes. You just reminded me of one passage of scripture uh, where, and I love John's gospel because he has 27 different conversations with just everyday people, Jesus does. And the woman at the well, which is in John four, and you know, we kind of connected sisters at the well. So I'm loving that part. But when he was talking to her, he starts off saying, just go give me a drink of water. Okay, that's very superficial. Then he says, you know, if you knew who I was, you would ask me. And she starts going down this path to say, we know Messiah is coming. There's a prophet. Um, do, are you greater than this well kind of thing? And then she starts going to the cultural. And then it finally gets to that really personal side to say, go get your husband. And he says, I don't have one. And he goes, you're right. You have five. And you were looking for love in all the wrong places. Is that kind of depth that I think you're referring to that you can go in to a mental health professional and say, this is where I am. I can't just have a smile on my face with my halo all shined up coming into church. Now, all of a sudden I am real and I, I'm having these struggles. Right. And now imagine if she said, what are you talking about, Jesus? I don't have I didn't have five husbands. Right, if she mean, lied about it. Hmm. What are you talking about? The one that I'm with is not mine. I, I don't have 
anybody else? Jesus, no, that wasn't me. That's Susie down the street. <laughs> now imagine if she wasn't honest. Imagine if she wasn't authentic. Imagine if she didn't allow Jesus to A, expose herself, but then allow him into those parts that created those uh, that exposed wound and the reason why those things were happening and how these men also took advantage of her five, six different times. You know what I'm saying? So if she wasn't honest and authentic, she would have never received the gift that Jesus was trying to give her, which to say, now you have met the man who will sustain you. You have met the man who will fill you. You have met the man who is going to give you that wholeness that you are looking for and craving in everybody else. But she only received it because she was honest about it. And so, yes, when you come into therapy, I, I tell my clients, I don't work harder than you. At least I learned not to work harder than them. If you want to be superficial mm. and you get superficial healing, when you want to go deep, then you get deep healing. I have released the God weight of trying to change people or allow or or make them see what I see so that they can achieve the wholeness that I know is waiting for them if they would just reach out and grab it. I meet them where they are. And so the deeper we go, yes, the deeper you go, the more pressure, right? You think about a seed and the more dirt you put on top of that seed, the more pressure comes that feels overwhelming, right? But eventually that seed breaks. And when that seed breaks, sprout comes up, yeah. you know? And so I think that when we can get to deep waters, then we really, you know, get fish, right? That's what Jesus did with the disciples, told them to go out into the deep, which was different from what they thought to be true. You know, he calls us to deep places. And so in therapy, true healing comes from the deep places. The truth of the matter is God can't bless who we pretend to be. He can only bless who we actually are. And so I can't do anything about your superficial mask that you want to wear. I can only help the authentic, genuine part of you. And while that is scary, right? Because that means I have to actually look at myself. I can't pretend anymore. I can't avoid that person anymore, right? I have to look at that person in the mirror and say, hey, yeah, we got some work to do. And that's hard. I mean, it's hard being human. <laughs> yeah. So you're challenging us to be beautifully broken, if you would. That gives a good place for people to start saying, I do need to maybe talk with someone. And with that though, I'm sure you give coping skills as well of, hey, why don't you try this? Here's one, two or three things that you can do because I do like to give my, my audience uh, something that they can take away and say, I need to check this. And yes, yeah. they can check whether or not they need to go see someone. And I'm gonna suggest that everybody gets on um, Tisha's social media, follow her, follow what she's doing. I'll put that plug in now I'll make sure I put it in again at the end and make sure it's all in the show notes. But what coping mechanism or skill 
would you say that we need to definitely develop? When you have a good diet, when you're sleeping good, and when you increase your physical activity, you give yourself the foundational things so that you can work more effectively. And then talking about money can be an embarrassing issue. And it can have a little bit of shame to go along with it. But if you really are ready to come out of the shadows and get into the marvelous light, truly being able to be confident and skillful in what you do with your money management, I'm your girl. I've got online classes for you. No one even has to know. Financial independence is something that you want. Financial freedom is available. Financial security should be yours. Jesus didn't die for you to financially struggle. So come on out of the shadows into the marvelous light. Get in one of these classes, Financialopoly, Financial Wisdom for Financial Freedom, which is going to give you six weeks of all the money management principles that you're going to need to know. Believe me, I'll walk you through it. You can do it. Step-by-step instructions on what you need to do. And then there's also Biblical Financial Personalities Masterclass. It's the principles and the practices that go along with how you authentically handle money how you deal with money, as well as why you deal with it the way that you do. And it's a Bible study. So it goes through observation, application, interpretation, as well as contemplation. So that you then, utilizing the scriptures and those principles, you can maximize what it is that you do have and secure your future, not only for yourself, but for your family. Find us online at h the number two h truth.org. At Heart to Heart Truth Ministries, we're helping believers live an abundant life based on God's word, standing on his promises, walking out his principles, sharing with God's people, serving as unto the Lord.